Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. And the name of this tune happens to be called Live Your Dreams. So I thought it was appropriate for me to start off Marvelous Motivating Monday with this tune. And I ask that you guys sit back, relax, and hopefully be motivated by this Monday, Marvelous Motivating Monday episode. Hey everybody, I am so, so excited for this Marvelous Motivating Monday. I was flipping through the channels as usual, watching um, different uh, excerpts from shows, and I just happened to come across an interview on PBS, and I'll talk about that in a different episode. I came across an interview with Ava, the amazing Ava DuVernay, and she was talking about a new series on Netflix that she did with Colin Kaepernick. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just sit here and listen to it. Now, the interview that she did, I am going to play parts of it on Wednesday because I'm going to do Ava as my Wonderful Women Wednesday. And I'll mention this again at the end of this episode. But she was talking about a movie, well, a series that she did for Netflix with Colin called Colin in Black and White. And I wanted to do this for a Marvelous Motivating Monday because I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people, and I am a major NFL fan, but a lot of people don't know much about Colin Kaepernick other than that he took a knee during um, his time as the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers to protest all the racial discrimination that's happening in America. And a lot of people hate him for that. A lot of people love him for standing up and a lot of players joined him and made it a movement. And so when I saw that she was doing a series on Netflix about him with him, of course, I was really interested. So what I did all weekend was watch all the episodes. And I said, this definitely should be a motivating uh, podcast episode because it's not just about Colin, the quarterback. It's about Colin, the person from birth all the way through college. And then we know he went to the pros, but it's also about racism, discrimination, um, couples that adopt non, like, excuse me, let me back up. Uh, couples who adopt children from different races and how they adjust to it, don't adjust to it, need to adjust to it. And um, I had some comments that are probably a little negative and harsh on his parents because they didn't have any clue about how he was being perceived and how he was receiving the racism growing up. They, they, they had no clue. And I don't think that they meant to not to be naive about it. They just didn't. And unfortunately, by their not being aware of what he was experiencing emotionally and psychologically, their guidance for him to deal with it was definitely not what he needed. He needed different guidance. But in the long run, I mean, it was clear they loved him and they wanted to do what was best for him. And their white privilege helped him get to be the person that he ended up being. But after seeing this, I was like, I hope this motivates all races, but I definitely hope it motivates, as he says at the end, those who consider themselves unseen or or outcasts or not good enough. So 
we're going to go into this episode. And what I loved about it is Colin was the narrator of all of them. And I'm glad. So what I did is I went and got the beginning of each episode so I can play it and then we can talk about it. So we're going to do this podcast episode like that. I always like to, when I'm talking about a specific person, I always like to play stuff in their own words. As I was watching this, the young man that plays Colin as a child's name is Jaden Michael. And I just want to say bravo to him because he played this he played this role so well. I thought he was Colin. So shout out to Jaden Michael. Let me tell you a story. In 1977, in a small town in Wisconsin, a young couple learned they were going to be parents. Their first child was a healthy baby boy who they named Kyle. Soon after Kyle was born, the couple decided to have more children, and eventually, they were blessed. After they had their baby girl, who they named Devin, they desperately wanted another baby. But unfortunately, the couple was told having more children would be dangerous, so they had a decision to make. They would adopt a baby boy, one who would fit right in with their son Kyle and their daughter Debbie. But again, things didn't go as planned. I'm sorry to have to inform you, but the baby you were hoping for is no longer available for adoption. But there is a second choice. He's a few days old, and his name is Colin. We'll take him. I share this story so you can understand this. Since the day I was born, I've never been anybody's first choice. I wanted to start the episode with Colin talking about himself from the day he was born and never being the first choice. So I went through every episode and took notes, and it's very powerful, um, some of the things and messages that were in this series. For example, episode one talks about the corn rolls, and Colin's quoted as saying, power dynamic is being established. And... You know, he was also saying how black NFL players are looked at like the slave trade pretty much. And you're going to hear a clip as he talks about episode one. I'm going to play it right after I talk about my notes. And it was really interesting. And he had a uh, a admiration for Allen Averson, AIs, and those who don't know who he is. He was a Philadelphia 76er NBA player who always wore cornrows and um, he was criticized when he wore them. And, you know, they were saying things like he was um, a thug amongst other things. And I liked how the show, um, they, they, they made it, made you see how it can be hard for parents to raise kids from a different race uh, and culture barriers such as here, especially for African-Americans, our hairs, uh, curly, uh, kinky, coarse. And it's hard if you have a Caucasian mom trying to do your hair who has never had that. And I also liked in this episode, Lessons to be Learned, which is to me, let kids learn their culture if you adopt kids from a different culture and also a different background. Now, Colin's um, biological mother was white and father was black, but he had the coarse, curly, uh, black hair. He didn't have the stringy, 
uh, straight white here. And also there was just different things in this episode that taught you about the music, the difference in the music they like and clothes and art and the seasoning and food. And it was, you know, braids, which is also called corn rolls, was looked at as unprofessional. And I remember even as recently, well, in the 90s, um, I can just say when I went to my firm, I remember an incident and I'm in a, I'm at a prestigious law firm and I've been there for 24 years. And when I went there, I remember, um, being a part of human resources and I was actually the only black that was the first black, <laughs> ironically in Atlanta, right? The first black that was a part of the management in, um, of human resources and the supervisory, you know, we, a firm is broken down depending on how big it is, almost broken down like a company into departments, even though we all come together as one and they hadn't had an African-American in that role ever. So I had made history. I was the first and the only for 10 years, actually. But I remember, um, uh, having one of the coolest chiefs of, uh, human resources that I've known and she was from England and she was so, so um, excited about learning about the black culture. And we actually became extremely close. And she was kind of considered outcast because she was a like tall, blonde bombshell with a beautiful uh, British accent. And then here's me, the only first and only black. We sitting in the boardroom in the meetings, it's 20 of us, and we ordered two to stand out. So we bonded. And I remember when we finally got another black person in HR that um, actually was my sorority sister, the irony of it, um, we had a very big disagreement on something I did. I came to work one day and I had a kente cloth dress made and it was so beautiful. So what I decided to do for the very first time was to come in to work with a very classic professional hair braid. My hair was braided. And I had my hair braided with the kente cloth and I had been there a couple of years. So I had established relationships and people, my Caucasian coworkers and friends, they loved it. They thought it was the coolest thing. Of course, they wanted to touch my hair and all that. And it was very classy. And the other black person who, um, like I said, was my sorority sister, ironically, she approached me and was rep reprimanded me and was going to send me home because she felt it was unprofessional even though it was classy had the heels on and anybody back then that knew me i had i was the person that wanted to be the black professional that looked professional 24 7 so i was always like really well dressed so it wasn't like i just went from one extreme to the other i just went culturally and everybody loved it and she told me it was embarrassing being only two blacks and we supposed to represent and it, it was a big deal but to make a long story short the chief was the opposite who was both of our bosses she told her nope she ain't going nowhere and she loved it and then after that other african-americans at the firm start wearing braids i had never seen anybody wear braids not saying they didn't I had never seen it, and I was pretty close to a major percentage of the African-Americans at all levels at the firm back then. So I got that from when he was talking about this. It was pretty deep. And then the second episode that uh, he talks about, you know, 
I, I just want you all to, I'm going to talk about the episodes. I want you to hear what he says, and then I'm going to break down my notes. But let me just um, go back real quick about the corn rolls, a.k.a. braids. In this episode, the first episode, you know, they, not just Alan Iverson, but they just associated wearing cornrows for black men as making them thugs and violent people and criminals, which is unfortunate because it is a cultural hairstyle. But the second episode, we're, we're, um, this called quarterback. And I want to always open up the episodes with him opening them up and then me making my comments from my notes. So here is the second episode. It's funny. You would think going out and being clearly better than your competition would be enough. But often, too often, it takes one more thing to get over that hump. Something I got as a kid. A white man's stamp of approval. America promises equal opportunity to everyone. No matter who you are, you can go to a good school, get a great job, live in a great house, but none of that is possible without that white man's stamp of approval. Don't believe me? Here, I'll prove it to you. In 2011, Kelly Williams Bowler spent nine days in jail for sending her daughters to a high-performing school outside of her district. She had unknowingly broken a law called Boundary Hop. In the land of opportunity, that law is meant to make sure poor, underprivileged folk don't better educate themselves without that white man stamp of approval. Then there's the question of employment. Can you get a good job earning a living wage without that white man stamp of approval? Making minimum wage, he would have to work 140 hours a week, or better put, 24 hours a day, six days a week, to earn a living wage. Now, if that makes you go into work tomorrow and ask your boss for a raise, be prepared. You're probably going to need that white man stamp of approval to get it. So now you want to buy a house, and you have to get a loan. I think you can see where this is going. In 2015, 27.4% of black applicants were denied mortgages, more than twice that of white applicants. And when black applicants were approved, they usually paid higher interest rates. The top lenders are JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Quicken Loans. Want to take a guess who runs these companies? As long as we need that white man stamp of approval, our fate will be in the hands of those who may not think we qualify. Some people will say the system is broken. I'm here to tell you it was intentionally built this way. Now, this episode two, where he starts off, is entitled The Quarterback. And, you know, he talks about having a white man stamp of approval and he tackles the subjects of courts and employment and banking. And the fact that as recent as 2015, 27.4% of black applicants for mortgages were denied. You know, and, you know, as, as you look into the episode, you know, he talks about the NFL and since we're talking about quarterbacks. Now, I know when I was growing up, we I remember Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon and Doug Williams were like gods to us because they were the black quarterbacks back then. And even um, Rodney Pete and um, 
I mean, there's a lot of them now, but there were very few and it was a big deal. And he talks about that. He talks about how the league is 70% black, but even right now, 2021, uh, there's less than a third of the quarterbacks that are black. And it's funny because I was talking to someone about that. And we were talking about when we were watching the NFL draft, if you pay attention, other than Justin Fields, the uh, quarterback for Miami Dolphins and the guy that ended up going to um, San Francisco 49ers. And I know their names, but I didn't look them up to say them. I'm just telling you from the top of my head. Other than them, if you really pay attention to all the drafts, they were white quarterbacks. It's kind of like when you got people like uh, Lamar Jackson and um, uh, Dak Prescott, even though he's half black, half white, and even with um, Cal Murray and uh, just, well, look how Cam was. I know he's not in the league anymore. You know, you got all these dynamic uh, black quarterbacks, Patrick Mahone, even though, I mean, him, he's half white, but still they look at him as a black quarterback. You got all these dynamic quarterbacks. Um, Michael Vick was probably the one that set it off that are doing like amazing things. It seemed like the black quarterbacks in the last five years took over. So now the drafts. A whole bunch of white quarterbacks. So it's it's just interesting how he talks about uh, the percentage of players. And I think that was one of the reasons why when the players went along with him and did the one knee, it was more effective because technically, in spite of some of the clips that you um, hear, you will hear uh, people like Donald Trump talk about um, fire them and this and that. It's, it's just really sad because um, talent didn't mean much. And obviously, <laughs> talent uh, still doesn't mean much when you're non-black. But um, I just thought it was interesting. He talked about that. So we're going to go on and finish listening uh, to different excerpts, starting with episode number three. The thing I like about this uh, series is that it goes through his life where he's realizing the white privilege his family has, he does not have. And episode three is called Road Trip. And it's pretty deep because the white privilege is on display. And you, you just see how he's just denied basic things such as ice cream. And he's one of the black stars on a baseball team that's in tournaments. But... um you know, one of the things I mentioned in my notes that it's unfortunate is that his parents have no clue about the racism he's experiencing, even in the hotels that they're staying in. And they talk about microaggression and uh, uh, it's just really, really wild. And I just really think that, you know, this man has been through so much. And we had no clue. But I want to um, let you listen to how he talks about chapter, I mean, excuse me, episode three and uh, on the road with the white privilege. Check it out. Let me tell you something. In white reconstruction, we're writing about the commonalities between working class blacks and whites. W.E.B. Du Bois wrote, The white group of laborers. While they received a low wage, were compensated in part by a sort of public and psychological wage. They were given public deference and titles of courtesy because they were white. 
White laborers were admitted freely with all classes of white people to public functions, public parks, and the best schools. The police were drawn from their ranks, and the courts depended on their votes, treated them with such leniency as to encourage lawlessness. Cadet officers learn how a group of men working as one can be an effective wedge between destructive mobs and the peaceful citizen and his property. You know what we call that now? Same thing it was then. White privilege. Growing up with white parents, I moved through life with the audacity of whiteness. I assumed their privilege was mine. I was in for a rude awakening. Well, the backlash is growing against Colin Kaepernick after the 49ers quarterback refused to stand during the national anthem at a game played last Friday. Who knows what Kaepernick thinks or why or why he's so unhappy. Colin, here's my salute to you. Not standing up for the Star Spangled Banner is the wrong way to protest. Get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. This is an attack on the country. He's un-American and he doesn't deserve to be in our country. All white. So All that's... white matter. But way before that, right before my junior year, I still had a lot to learn about the way the world works. Now, the sad part about that episode, and like I said, I took notes during all the episodes, and I always like to play things in their own voice, which is what I just did. But the thing about the episode is just that him defending himself made him a threat to everybody. Everybody was scared. They have a scene where they're in the hotel lobby and all the white boys are being mean and ignorant and nasty. And this is during baseball tournaments. And then a black baseball team comes in to the lobby to check in. And they're not doing anything. They're just standing there watching these white players act crazy and thuggish and ghetto. And the people from the hotel come over and address them. But they're so used to it. And unlike Colin, Colin has no clue about being black, pretty much. And so he didn't understand how they were cool with it. And he he's learning. He's learning what being black really meant. Because as he says in his own words, he thought that the white privilege that his family had, he had too. But he learned that they that he did not. You know, and then episode four, the decision is about him being this amazing, which I knew none of this baseball star. He was a bigger star in baseball than in football and basketball combined. And he was great at basketball and football. So, of course, you know, he talks about how the players for the baseball team um, didn't really respect him until he did what is called a no hitter, which anyone's a baseball fan know what that is and he just became like a an amazing baseball star i didn't even know he played any other sports because you never heard about it so i'm really glad they did this and that's why i wanted to do this as a marvelous motivating monday because i want people to be motivated by his story not just look at him as a black player who was anti-american which he's not and anti against the flag it was never about the flag it was about racial equality 
And, you know, it's funny how the decision episode talks about how everybody wanted to make the decision that was best for them and their careers and didn't care about what Colin really wanted to do. Because although he was uh, this amazing baseball player, as a matter of fact, in 2005, he was invited to what's called the Area Code Games in the summer, which is considered the most prestigious showcase in high school baseball. But he said that he was more welcomed and comfortable with football, not baseball. And they really tried to force him to make what is called the decision to play baseball because that's what everybody felt. And I was really impressed in this episode, the whole, all the, all the series uh, episodes, but this one where he really talks about the love of black history. I mean, he taught a lot. You know, he really did teach me a lot about black history in these episodes because he's trying to show people how things really are and how things are perceived. Because one thing, if you know nothing else, you should know that perception is more important than facts. And more recently in America, (laughs) fake facts seem to be more important than facts. So check out what he says, though, about the decision, because I think this is very, very powerful. Check it out. Let me tell you something. There's an old saying in baseball, play the game the right way. It's something coaches tell players from T-ball to the big leagues. And something Romare Bearden, one of the best pitchers in the world during the 1930s, was very familiar with. In order to realize his dreams of playing for the Philadelphia Athletics, he had to play the game the right way. What does that mean exactly? In the end, this star baseball player proved that what you start out at isn't always what you become. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That was so amazing to hear these people I had never heard of and this baseball player that... If you look at the film, they're trying to transform him into being um, pretty much a white player. They didn't want it to be known that he was black because he was very uh, fair-skinned. But he wasn't trying to hear that. And once again, he's teaching us about someone. Now, in Chapter 5, it's called Crystal. And Crystal is an African-American girl who was dark-skinned that Colin thought was beautiful and he wanted to date her. You know, she was an athlete. But his two friends, which I was very disappointed, but I can see friends like that. He had one black friend and a white friend. The white friend was actually the coolest friend. The black friend, not so much to me. Um, I thought he was a hater of Colin personally. And he tried to discourage Colin from dating a black girl over a white girl, which I really was hurt to see that. But I see that now in 2021. So, you know, as an African-American woman, I know a lot of times we would always talk about how when black athletes specifically got famous, they, they, they would have baby mamas that are black. Well, when they got famous, they would date the white and marry the white girls, and then they be an official family, and then they have kids out of wedlock with black women, and 
trust me, if people don't want to admit that, I can tell you from my experience and my friends and growing up as a black female, that happened a lot. So I've even asked family members and friends who are married to white people, and they would say some things that were just not true, how white women just listen to everything they say and black women had attitudes and being with a white woman shows a society that you came up, which was crazy to me because you was raised and gave birth by a black woman. But anyway, it was really um, interesting because in this episode called Crystal, he really sees how racism is really bad um, when it comes to, as he puts it, uh, psychological and, um, well, you'll see. He talks about the um, the psychological doll test, which most black people are familiar with. And those who are listening that are not black, you might want to check it out when they put black and white dolls in front of kids, especially black kids who was good, ugly, bad, and whatever, and what they wanted to look like. They kept picking the lighter skin or the white doll because they felt that black kids, black girls specifically, were not beautiful. And um, it was just really sad to see how when Colin wanted to take Crystal to the homecoming, uh, people kind of frowned upon it because she was dark skinned. But I'm proud of him. And I like the way that he handled it because he learned to, to, to speak up for himself. So check out his comment about Crystal. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Sounds simple enough, right? Except when what we behold has been manipulated. Since black people first hit these shores, we've been programmed to value one standard of beauty above all others. During the 1780s, German historian Christoph Meyer peddled the idea that mankind was split into two divisions, the beautiful white race and the ugly black race. Let's just say, not everyone agrees with that theory. And I liked how he opened up that episode talking about it because it got deep when you actually saw the episode. Now, he ends it with a letter to himself, but let me back up <coughs> for a minute and encourage all women to look at themselves as beautiful, maybe different, but beautiful. But African-American women specifically, we are beautiful in many, 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 many shades. I have light-skinned friends who wish they were darker, dark-skinned friends who wish they were lighter, caramel in the middle friends like me who I'm just proud to be and the funny thing about me I'm gonna tell you something my daughter asked me a question years ago and I didn't really realize what I was doing it took me and I was an adult when I started I'm not a makeup wearer unless it's a special event and so when I started wearing makeup I was wearing MAC and I caught I kept buying two shades darker than my actual complexion and my daughter didn't understand why I kept doing that. And the reason why mentally I want it to be darker. I know it sounds crazy because I'm a caramel color. I want it to be darker because um, I'm from a family where my mother was married twice and had two sets of kids. So my older siblings are dark. And then, you know, I'm not. Me and my other siblings are not. 
and I wanted to look like them. So I would wear makeup that was two shades darker. And I didn't realize how bad it was. Well, the thing that was cool is, you know, when I would put on all the makeup, you know, and I wear contacts, uh, prescription contacts, and I had the pleasure of having tenant contacts. So when I would put on the tenant contacts, the honey pr predominantly and hazel, but either one, I would put the contacts on and it would make my eyes pop even more because I was darker. So I didn't have a problem with it. And the only reason why I realized it was a major issue is when I went to a Mac counter in a Macy's store and I asked for the girl to make me up. And she put on what she felt was the correct foundation, which was two shades lighter than mine. And we kind of got into an argument because I tried to explain to her that's not what I normally buy. And she told me that I was buying two shades too dark. And so when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see anything different. I'm not a foundation person. So silly me didn't realize your face was supposed to look the same. My attitude is if I'm wearing makeup, I want you to know I'm wearing makeup. That's why I'm wearing it. So we got into it, but she broke it all down to me. And I went back to the two shades darker because that's what I like. And um, but it's it's just so interesting, this this specific episode. And I just kind of wanted to mention that to you of the complex of um, skin in the African-American community. And when other cultures make it worse and make it negative instead of something we should be proud of mentally and psychologically, it is hard on a person. The thing that was the coolest about this whole episode for me is that he finished it off with a letter to himself. As a matter of fact, the episode is called Dear Colin. Now, let me just give you some statistic facts from this series that they talked about. And they were saying that not only was he an amazing athlete in basketball, football, and baseball, he was actually a star in all of them. He was a 4.2 GPA average student, so he was extremely intelligent. He was better than the 4.0. He was 4.2. So he was smart and athletic, yet he unfortunately, through his whole high school years, went through negativity from people because of what he looked like. So check out what he says in his letter to himself called Dear Colin. In high school, I felt a lot of different emotions. Mom! I played for the It was a roller coaster. Sometimes fun. Sometimes scary. But you know what? I wouldn't trade those moments for anything. Dear Colin. Trust your power. Even when you don't see it, believe it. Because you're going to need it. From your earliest days, rejection will follow you. And it'll be there through every step of your journey. It'll come from people who love you. Because you look like a thug. It'll come from people who don't think you belong. Helicopter. Freshman team. It'll even come from a girl or two. But rejection is not failure. It's a calibrator. It can help you learn who you are and what you want. And there's something you want more than anything. You want to be a quarterback. Your path will sometimes be rough. But trust your power. When you face rejection and feel like you want to quit. Trust your power. And when you see that you're rarely anyone's first choice, <coughs> trust your power. 
I promise you, when they say you're not their first choice, you will show them that you are the right choice. You will earn the title of quarterback at the highest level. But while you focus on becoming a quarterback, something else will be happening. Something extraordinary. Something that you can feel, but don't have the words or wisdom to articulate. You will learn to love who you are and not give a damn that who you are makes some people uncomfortable. You will know no matter how much people try to control you. Is that what you want? You want to be somebody's second choice? That they cannot break you. And you will learn to find beauty in places where the world tells you there is none. And because of these things, you will know when people try to tell you when and where you can be a quarterback. It doesn't matter. <laughs> because you will see you are more than a quarterback. Much more. Trust your power. Love your blackness. You will know who you are. Sincerely, Colin. Wow. At the end of this, this is, uh, the, the sixth episode of Colin in Black and White, and it's called Dear Colin. And I love, I wanted you all to hear his letter to himself. And, you know, at the end, it says, <laughs> to the underestimated, the overlooked, and the outcast, trust your power. And that's why I wanted to use this as my marvelous motivating Monday. I want you guys to go to Netflix and check this out because it's not about Colin. Well, let me rephrase it. It is about Colin, but it explains to you why he is the person that we see now. Um, like a lot of people, I love him. I personally love him as a quarterback, but I didn't know anything about him other than he was adopted. And this um, this series on Netflix called Colin in Black and White, which he and Ava DuVernay uh, created, and she, this is, you know, they produced and created this. He narrated it. This is powerful because it gets us from his birth through college, how he had to deal with a lot of adversity. And I want this to motivate every race, but definitely the mixed race and the African-American race. But I want the fact that he puts history throughout this whole series to be very uh, paid attention to. And I really hope that this motivates some people even if it's just to change your opinion about who Colin is. So as I've been doing recently, I'm going to tie this whole weekend, uh, I mean, this whole week together where we're going to talk about Ava DuVernay. And the, what made me even know about this series is that 
she was on a uh, doing an interview on PBS talking about it. So we're going to focus. She's such an amazing woman. There's too much to cover in one episode about her, but we're going to focus on this Colin in black and white interview she did and just I'll give you a little background on her but she's just so amazing I during I mean there's just too much to do in one episode but I want to tie this all in and then for my fantastic fellows Friday we're going to talk about Colin himself so we're going to tie all three episodes this week into Colin Kaepernick and we will have a totally uh more uh, informative understanding of who this man is and why he was fighting for justice because considering what he went through and the unfortunate part of his parents not understanding racism like he saw and felt it uh, I think this is a very motivational uh, series for every race to watch and, f- and before I close this episode out one of the things that I wanted to um, keep making sure that people pay attention to in this series is just all the things that he went through, the unfair treatment, trying to get to college acceptance, the fact that his coaches kept pushing him to get the guaranteed baseball deal, but his heart was not in it. These are things that we have to start thinking about in our lives, about doing things for other people and not for ourselves. So I I'm just very excited about this episode and I learned so much about this man and I hope you guys view him differently. And he says he's still doing what he needs to do to get himself ready in some, in case somebody calls. So NFL, get this man a call. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. We are also now on Instagram, and forgive me because I'm still trying to learn Instagram, but we are are on Instagram also at Advocacy Ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723 or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com and you know my favorite question is what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.